سور الفاتحہ حضرت خلیفت المسید ایدہ اللہ تعالی بنصر العزیز That as was mentioned in the previous Friday sermon, the informants of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, returned and informed him of an approaching caravan or an army. And so, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, learnt of the news that the army of the Quraysh was approaching in order to protect their trade caravan, he sought counsel from his companions and informed them of the situation regarding the Quraysh. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr stood up and delivered an excellent speech following which Hazrat Umar also stood up and gave an excellent speech. Thereupon, Hazrat Miqdad bin Amr stood and humbly submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, march towards that which you have been commanded by Allah. We are with you. He further stated, that by Allah we will not say to you what the Israelites said to Moses, that is, فَزْهَبْ أَنْتَ وَرَبُّكَ فَقَاتِلَا إِنَّ هَا هُنَا قَائِدُونَ Meaning, go thou and thy Lord and fight, and here we sit. In fact, we will say, you and your Lord go ahead for battle, and we too shall join you in battle. Hazrat Miqdad bin Amr then further stated, By Allah, who has raised you as a prophet with the truth, even if you lead us to Barkul Ghimad, we will march with you. In relation to Barkul Ghimad, it is written that it is located in Yemen at a distance of a five-day journey from Makkah. This was a metaphor used by the Arabs, signifying a long distance. Following this, he said, Ayy Hazrat Miqdad bin Amr, that we will continue fighting the enemy along your side until you reach your destination. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, wished them well and prayed for them. A historian has written that Barkul Ghimad was located to the south of Mecca at a distance of approximately 430 kilometers away from the main route of travel in a far-off place. And due to the long distance and difficulty traveling there, it was used as an idiom, just like Kohe Qaf, i.e. the Mount Qaf in Urdu signifies and connotes a long distance. And this meant that regardless of how far the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would go, they would remain by his side. We also find some elaboration in relation to this because some historians have raised a question in relation to this that the verse Hazrat Miqdad bin Amr recited was of Surah Al-Ma'idah 
whereas this surah was revealed much later. As such, it seems doubtful that this verse was recited on this occasion. Nevertheless, the scholars also suggest some possibilities for this, such as them having heard this statement of Israelites from the Jews, or that one of the later narrators might have added this verse. But in any case, this objection does not carry much importance because this narration has been quoted frequently in the books of history. As such, in a commentary of Bukhari a Fatul Bari by Ibn Rajab, it is written that to say that the entire Surah Al-Ma'idah was revealed on the occasion of Hajjatul Wida, i.e. the farewell pilgrimage of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is incorrect. Some of its verses had been revealed much earlier. And Hazrat Miqdad recited one of these verses on the occasion of the Battle of Badr. Nevertheless, for them to have heard this from the Jews could also be true. Then it is further narrated that these three individuals, i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Miqdad were among the Muhajireen which is why the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, desired to seek the opinion of the Ansar. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, thus said, that, O people, give me your counsel. And in actuality, he sought the opinion from the Ansar. And perhaps another reason for this is that during the Pledge of Aqaba, they said, that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, whilst you do not come to our city, we are not responsible for you. But when you do come to Medina, then we will most certainly be responsible for you. They further stated that we will protect you from everything, just as we protect our children and our women. Therefore, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was expressing his concern that the Ansar would only defend against the enemy who launched an attack on Medina, thinking that it was not incumbent upon them to face the enemy outside of their city. However, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated this, Hazrat Saad bin Muaz submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Perhaps it is our counsel that you seek. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied in the affirmative. Upon this, Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala then said that indeed we have believed in you and have testified to your truthfulness and borne witness that the religion you have brought is indeed the truth. Moreover, we have made a promise to you and made a firm oath to follow your instructions. And O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, go forth wherever you please, for we are with you. We swear by that being who has sent you with the truth that if you take us to the sea and you go in yourself, we shall also dive into it with you. And not a single one of us shall hold back. He further stated that we are not displeased if you take us tomorrow to face the enemy. He further stated that we are steadfast in battle, we show loyalty when encountering the enemy and we are hopeful that Allah the Almighty will show you that we can attain those feats which shall be the delight of your eyes. Thus, with the blessings of Allah, take us with you. There is a narration in Sahih Muslim in which these words have been ascribed to Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah However, according to the majority of the narrations, Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah did not participate in the Battle of Badr and therefore the historians have tried to consolidate between the two narrations and suggested that perhaps the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took counsel on two occasions. The first took place in Medina when he received news of the caravan and Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah made this statement. And the second time was when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took counsel when he was en route and Hazrat Saad bin Muadh spoke these words. In any case, this is what the various commentators have written in their commentary. But in reality, it was Hazrat Saad bin Muadh who said this. 
Hearing this from Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was filled with joy and stated, Go forth and rejoice in the glad tidings. For Allah the Almighty has promised me victory over one of the two parties. And I swear by God that at this very time I am witnessing the places where the enemy men shall fall after being slain. Upon hearing these words, the companions became joyful, but at the same time they said in surprise, that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. If you had known of the army of the Quraysh from before, why then did you not mention to us the prospect of war whilst we were still in Medina, so that we may have prepared before setting out? However, despite this news and counsel, and despite this glad tiding conveyed by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him from Allah, which indicated that the Muslims would definitely attain victory over one of these two parties, until now, the Muslims had as of yet not found which party they would encounter. They realized the possibility of confronting one of these two groups and naturally desired to encounter the weaker of the two. In other words, they desired to confront the caravan. In relation to this, Hazrat Muslim Ma'ud states, And when at the time of Badr, a battle was about to ensue outside of Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, gathered all the companions and said that, O people, I seek your counsel, for I have come to know that we will not fight against the caravan. Instead, we will face off against the army of Makkah. Upon this, one after another, the Muhajireen companions stood up and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, you may certainly go forth for battle. We are with you. However, every time a companion would express their thoughts, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would follow to say, O people, I seek your counsel. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, thought that although the Muhajireen are giving their suggestions, it was the Ansar that were truly in question. And the Ansar was silent because the aggressors were the people of Makkah. The Ansar thought that if they expressed their readiness to fight the Meccans, then perhaps the Muhajireen may feel offended and they may dislike if they expressed their eagerness to kill their kinsmen. However, after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, repeatedly sought counsel, then an Ansar companion stood up and submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, you have been given counsel. One after another, a Muhajir stands and affirms their willingness to fight, and yet you continue to ask the people for counsel. And so, from this it seems as though you are addressing the Ansar. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied in the affirmative. And so the companion then submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace, blessings of Allah be upon him, we were silent for fear of causing anguish to our Muhajireen brothers. For if we expressed our willingness to fight, then the Muhajireen may think that we are proposing to kill their families and kinsmen. He further stated, that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, perhaps you are referring to the pledge we made at Akbar, wherein we pledged to assist you should the enemy attack Medina, and that we would not be liable for a battle taking place outside of Medina. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, Yes, this is the matter indeed. Upon this, the Ansar companion replied, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, at the time we made the covenant, we did not fully understand your true status. O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, now your truth has manifested to us and your status is clear to us. That covenant holds no importance. The sea is before us and if you so much as give us the command, we are prepared to ride into it with our horses. And if a battle takes place, by God we will fight on your right and your left and we will fight from in front of you and behind you, and the enemy will not be able to reach you unless they walk over our corpses. Following this counsel, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, departed from that place and by taking various routes arrived close to Badr. Although details about the Battle of Badr have already been mentioned previously, but I will present them once more. Badr is located 150 kilometers southwest of Medina. Its landscape is an oval-shaped and desert-like plain 
measuring five and a half miles long and four miles wide. It is surrounded by tall mountains and had many wells and orchards where caravans would often set up camp. A short while after arriving close to Badr, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, set out on their mounts until they encountered an old Arab man. Without revealing their identities, they asked the old man about the Quraysh and about Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and his followers. The old man replied that I will only tell you when you tell me what tribe you belong to. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that after you tell us about what we asked, we too shall tell you about ourselves. One thing in exchange for another, the old man remarked, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied in the affirmative. And so the old man said that I have come to know that Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his followers departed from Medina on such and such day. If my informant is true, then they must be at such and such place at this time. The old man mentioned the name of the place where the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had arrived. And he further stated that I've also come to know that the Quraysh departed on such and such a day. And if my informant is true, then they must have reached such and such place. He then mentioned the name of the place where the Quraysh were positioned, and both of his statements were correct. And so after giving this information, the old man inquired, What tribe do you belong to? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that we are from the water. Following this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, turned away from him. And the old man asked, You are from the water? What does that mean? Are you referring to the water of Iraq? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's answer here, seems to have more than one meaning. And historians have also discussed this at length. Our team, tasked with extracting references, has also extracted statements of historians regarding this. And I will present a summary of this. Historians have raised the point that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not give the correct response that he promised. Whilst other historians have refuted this by saying that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not give him a false answer, indeed the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, responded ambiguously so as not to lie and nor reveal his exact origins, especially during circumstances of danger and war. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, statement about being from the water refers to the Quranic statement that we made from water every living thing. And this has been mentioned by one of the historians by the name of Abu Bakr Jabir al-Jazairi. Another historian says that it was an Arab custom to refer to the names of the water source or water springs of the area to indicate the area in which one resides. This has been mentioned by Alama Burhan Halabi in relation to this incident. Another possible explanation could be that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was referring to the same water spring that they had settled around in Badr, which was also mentioned by the old man, but indicated to it in a manner that caused the old man to mistake it for the direction of Iraq. In this case, the direction of the water spring in Iraq would be the same. Nonetheless, Allah knows better. In any case, thereafter the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, returned to the companions and in the evening the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Zubair bin Al-Awam and Saad bin Abi Waqas along with a few other companions towards the water spring in Badr in order to gain further information. There they encountered two slaves from the Quraysh who were tasked with fetching water. The companions apprehended them and began to question them. And at the time, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was standing and offering prayers. Both of them admitted that they were sent to fetch water for the Quraysh. The companions did not accept what they said and suspected that they were hired by Abu Sufyan. Thus, the companions treated them in a rather strong manner. And so, upon continuing with their strong approach, they eventually said that they were hired by Abu Sufyan, upon which the companions released them. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, concluded his prayer, he said that when they told you the truth, you hid them, and when they lied to you, you released them. By God, they have spoken the truth, and they are undoubtedly the slaves of the Quraysh. Then addressing the two slaves, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, that tell me about the Quraysh. He responded, that by God, the encampment is behind that hill on the other end of the valley. 
the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then asked, How many are they? And they responded, There are many. When they were asked as to their exact number, they said that they did not know. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then asked, That how many camels do they slaughter each day for consumption? They replied, That some days they slaughter ten camels, while other days they slaughter nine. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, that they number between 900 and 1,000. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, made this estimation based on the number of camels they consumed. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then asked them which chieftains of the Quraysh were among them, and they named a number of Quraysh chieftains, including Abu Jahl, Utba, Sheba, Hakim bin Hizam, Umayyah bin Khalf, and so on. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, then turned towards the people and said, That is, observe, Makkah has thrown before you its heroes. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has also written about this in the following words. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, addressed the companion saying, That is, here you are, Makkah has thrown before you its greatest heroes. These were immensely intelligent and wise words which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uttered spontaneously. The reason being that instead of the weaker Muslims becoming disheartened upon hearing the names of so many renowned chieftains of the Quraysh, these words of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, led their faculty of perception to believe as if God had sent these leaders of the Quraysh to serve as prey for the Muslims. Following this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, ordered his army to march ahead so that they could reach the well of Badr before the arrival of the idolaters and so that the idolaters would not get the upper hand. Hence, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, reached the closest well to Badr at Isha time. On this occasion, Hazrat Hubab bin Munzir radiallahu made a suggestion. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, reached the closest well to Badr, Hubab bin Munzir submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, have you encamped here under divine command and that we should not move from this place? Or is this merely your opinion and a war strategy? Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that this is based on conjecture and merely a war strategy. Hearing this, Habab bin Munzir submitted that this place is not ideal and it would be better to advance and take possession of the spring located closest to the Quraysh. Furthermore, seal up all the other wells and prepare a reservoir for us. As a result, when we combat the enemy, we will have water and the enemy will not have any water. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that your opinion is correct and took the army to the closest well to the Quraysh and then set up camp. Then, upon the instruction of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the remaining wells were sealed up and where the Muslims camped, a reservoir was made. This reference has been taken from Sirat ibn Hisham. Having selected the place for setting up camp, the next stage was preparing a place for rest for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Owing to the suggestion of Hassad bin Muaz, the leader of the Aus tribe, the companions prepared a canopy for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to one side of the plain. As Hassad bin Muaz submitted, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, should we not prepare a canopy for you wherein you can rest? Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has written a detailed account of this incident which I have mentioned previously. However, it is necessary to mention here as well. He writes that after a place to set up camp had been selected, upon the proposal of Saad bin Muad, a chieftain of the Yos, a sort of canopy was prepared for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to one side of the field. Saad tied the mount of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, close to the tent 
and said, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, take a seat in this tent and we shall fight the enemy in the name of Allah. If Allah grants us victory, then this is our very desire. But if God forbid the matter takes a turn for the worse, then take your mount and reach Medina in any way possible. There you shall find our brethren and kindred who are no less than us in love and sincerity. However, since they were unaware that they would be confronted by war in this campaign, they have not come along. Otherwise, they would never have remained behind. When they become aware of the state of affairs, they shall not desist in laying down their lives to protect you. This was the passionate sincerity of Saad which is worthy of praise in any case. But can it be fathomed that the Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, would ever flee from the field of battle? As such, in the field of Hunand, an army of 12,000 turned their backs, but this centre of divine unity, i.e. the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did not shake an inch. In any case, the tent was prepared, and Hazrat Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhu, along with a few other Ansar surrounded it and stood guard. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, retired to this tent along with Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and spent the night there. According to another narration, it is mentioned that Hazrat Abu Bakr stood guard next to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, all night with an unsheathed sword. And all night long, weeping and wailing, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, supplicated before Allah. It is written that in the entire army it was only the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, who remained awake all night, and the rest were able to take some rest in turns. Hazrat Muslim ta'ala writes that when they reached the plains of Badr, the companions made an elevated area and asked the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to sit there. They then conferred amongst each other to find out who had the fastest camel. Thus, they brought the fastest camel and tied it near the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw this, he asked, What is all this? They replied, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, we are few in number, and the enemy outnumber us. We fear lest we are all martyred here. We do not worry for our own lives, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. We are worried lest you suffer any pain. If all of us die, it will not affect Islam one bit. However, the future of Islam is dependent upon you. Therefore, it is vital for us to ensure the means for your protection. O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, we have appointed Abu Bakr for your protection and tied a fast camel near to you. And if, God forbid, a time comes where we are killed one by one, then, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, this camel is here. Use this to reach Medina. Some of our brethren are present there. They did not know that a battle would take place. Had they known, they would have set out with us. You should go to them, and they will protect you, and you will be safeguarded from the enemy. Nonetheless, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would not have accepted this, nor would he be prepared to do it. But this was the love and passion of the companions. Regarding this, Hazrat Muslim Maud has further written that Hazrat Ali once said that the most brave and courageous amongst the companions was Hazrat Abu Bakr. He then said that during the Battle of Badr, when a separate canopy was made for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, a question arose as to who would be assigned to guard the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr immediately stood up with his sword unsheathed. And during this extremely delicate time, Hazrat Abu Bakr stepped forward with the utmost bravery and courage to guard the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Nonetheless, the following morning the Quraysh advanced from their camps. And when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw them, he prayed, O Allah, the Quraysh are here in all their pride and arrogance in order to fight against you and have declared your messenger to be a liar. Thus fulfill the promise of your succour that you have vouchsafed to me and destroy them this day. 
Amongst the idolaters, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw that Utbah bin Rabia was mounted on a red camel. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that if any good can be expected from any of them, then it is the one riding the red camel. If they accept what he says, they will be guided to the right path. There is an incident of the disbelievers drinking from the reservoir made by the Muslims. It is said that despite the fact that the Muslims had control over the water, however, when the Quraysh descended upon the plains of Badr, the disbelievers began drinking from the reservoir of the Muslims. Among the disbelievers was Hakim bin Hazam as well. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, permitted them to drink water from it. On that day, every single person who drank from the reservoir was killed except for Hakim bin Hazam who later accepted Islam. And whenever he would swear an oath, he would say, I swear by the one who saved me on the day of Badr. With regards to arranging the rose for battle, it is mentioned that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, arranged the companions in rose for battle in the morning before the Quraysh arrived. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was arranging the rose using an arrow and with it he would gesture to move forward or to step backwards so they become straight. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, handed the banner to Hazrat Musa bin Umar who placed it where he was ordered to. In the time that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was arranging the rose, he was facing towards the west. And during this time, while he was arranging the rose, an extraordinary incident took place, which is related to Hazrat Sawad bin Ghaziyah, and which demonstrates his great love and affection for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It is written that during the Battle of Badr, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was arranging rows, he passed by Sawad bin Ghaziyah, who was outside of his row. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, pressed the arrow against his stomach and said, O Sawad, step in line. Upon this, Hazrat Sawad submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, you have caused me pain. Allah the Almighty has appointed you for the sake of upholding justice and equity. So I wish to exact retribution, for you hit me on my stomach with an arrow. And so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, lifted the cloth from his stomach and said, that take your revenge. Hazrat Sawad embraced the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and began kissing his body. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that, O Sawad, why have you done this? Hazrat Sawad submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, peace be upon him, you can see what hour this is, i.e. it is time for war. I do not know if I will survive or not. And I wish for my last moments to be spent wherein my body touches your blessed body. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, prayed for him. These were the incidents of absolute love and devotion, and the remaining accounts will be narrated in the future, God willing. Now I wish to mention some deceased members, the first of whom is respected Qari Muhammad Ashik Sahib, who was a lecturer at Jamia Ahmadiyya and also oversaw Madrasatul Hifs as its principal. He recently passed away at the age of 85. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. By the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was a Musi. And after committing the Holy Quran to memory and learning its correct recitation, he taught at different madrasas of the Ahl Hadith at various places in Pakistan before he accepted Ahmadiyyat. He accepted Ahmadiyyat of his own accord and before pledging allegiance, i.e. taking the bath, Qari Ashik Sahib belonged to the Ahli Hadith sect. Qari Sahib had a book written about his own life in which he states that in 1957, when I used to live in Karachi, I had some scholarly friends with whom I used to interact and would often go to them. There I would read the newspaper and would sit with some of the scholars as well. He says that one day, as I was sitting there and reading the newspaper, someone who was studying a book of the Promised Messiah said that this is amazing. 
I asked what was so great about it, and he said that our scholars believe that certain Quranic verses can be abrogated. Whereas Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Khadiani Sahib says that not even a single iota of the Holy Quran has been abrogated. Qari Sahib says that this made me curious and so I decided to do some research to find out whether he was truthful or false. Then in the autobiography he has written, he says that one day, in order to learn more about Ahmadiyyat, I went to the Ahmadiyya Hall in Karachi after prayers where I met an Ahmadi and I told him that I wished to seek more information about certain matters which we had a difference of belief in and requested him to help guide me. There was someone sitting there who took me from the Ahmadiyya Hall to his home and he gave me some books to read and so I studied them and even showed a book to one of my scholarly friends saying that this was exactly in accordance with Islam. The cleric said that you are a very nice person and you are not aware so I will inform you that the things which Mirza Sahib has written in his smaller books accord with Islam and these are the books which he wrote earlier on. However, in the lengthier books which Mirza Sahib wrote later on, he has written false thoughts and beliefs. However, Brahini Ahmadiyya was written right at the outset and exactly according to the Islamic teachings as were the other books in any case, Ghadi Sahib returned to his contact and asked for a lengthier book. However, he presented some excuse and did not give a lengthier book, despite the fact that there is no discrepancy amongst the books of the Promised Messiah, whether they are books from the beginning or those that were written later on. However, Allah the Almighty knows best what the Ahmadi's reason was for not providing the books. In any case, Ghadi Sahib lost contact with him. Then, according to Qari Sahib's autobiography, it seems that God's special decree created a certain passion within his heart and Qari Sahib visited Rabba on various occasions and kept in touch with the local Ahmadis. He also continued to pray and it was in this prayerful state that he saw many dreams. One of these dreams was that is, hearken to the call of the heavens, the Messiah has come. Qari Sahib says that at the time these words did not draw my attention towards Ahmadiyyat. However, after becoming an Ahmadi, I realized that those dreams were indeed fulfilled. This was also one of the many dreams which he saw. Qari Sahib writes that when I look back at my life, I realized that it was nothing but the grace of Allah the Almighty that my attention was constantly drawn towards Ahmadiyyat and I was bestowed guidance. Qadi Sahib further writes that I met Sheikh Abdul Qadir Sudagar Mal Sahib, who is a missionary of the community at Majlis Ansarullah is Ijtama. He says on the first day of the Ijtama, he went to the Ansar Ijtama when he had not yet pledged allegiance. He says, I attended all of the programs, and neither on the second or third day of the Ijtama, I expressed my desire to pledge allegiance. Hence, we went to the office of Islaw Shad Markaziya where I completed the birth form and was thus enlightened with the light of Ahmadiyyat. After accepting Ahmadiyyat, he had to face many trials. On the other hand, there was the pressure from his non-Ahmadi students and teachers who were trying to lure him back by even presenting him with incentives and also inflicting hardships. Qari Sahib says, after accepting Ahmadiyyat, I faced many difficulties along the way. However, Allah the Almighty kept me steadfast and I continued to tread upon the path which he had taught. Allah the Almighty's guidance was there, which is why no worldly incentive could lure me away from the true path. Many attempts were made to distance me from the Ahmadiyya Jamaat and to lure me back to the Ahli Hadith. 
However, by the grace of Allah, despite their great attempts, they failed in their attempts to lure me back because of the degree of faith which I had attained. He married a widow who already had three children and he also had one daughter with her. With regards to his services to the Jamaat, he writes that I met Sufi Khudabakh Zervi Sahib at the mosque one day and he told me that Hazrat Mizza Tahir Ahmed Sahib Rahimahullah, who was the Vakfa Jadid in charge at the time, sent a message for me to be brought to him at Rabwa. And by this time he had pledged allegiance and he says that when I went to him, he first listened to my recitation of the Holy Quran and then assigned me the duty of teaching the Mu'allameen of Vakfa Jadid the recitation of the Holy Quran with the proper rules and also arranged my accommodation in Vakfa Jadid. This took place in 1964. He says that he was officially appointed as a Mu'allim under Vakfa Jadid in January 1965. During this time, the final year students of Jamia Ahmadiyya used to come to him at the Vakfa Jadid office to study the Holy Quran. And later, upon the request of respected Mir Daud Ahmad Sahib, who was the principal of Jamia Ahmadiyya at the time, Qadi Sahib started teaching at Jamia Ahmadiyya. Along with Jamia, he also taught at the Nusrat Girls College, which was a college of the Jamaat, while observing the requirements of Parda. In 1969, Hafiz Shafiq Sahib, who was the in charge of the Hafiz class, passed away. And so the Jamia principal, Mir Daud Ahmad Sahib, asked Hafiz Sahib to teach the class. In those days, the class used to be taught in Masjid Mubarak. I also remember at the time, the boys would be sitting in the mosque committing the Holy Quran to memory. And then Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III also appointed Qadi Sahib to the Hafiz class. He granted approval and also wrote that he would continue teaching in Vakfa Jadid while also teaching the Hafiz class. Hence, on 11th June 1971, Qadi Sahib was officially appointed to the Hafiz class. He retired in 1998. However, he continued teaching in Madrasatul Hifz and Madrasatul Zafar until 2019. On the blessed occasion of Jalsa Salana 1964, he had the opportunity of presenting a recitation of the Holy Quran for the first time. Qari Sahib writes, that in February 1965, he had the honour of meeting Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II In relation to this historic meeting, he would say that I had the opportunity to shake his hand and this was a life-changing moment for me. The private secretary introduced me to Hazur and said that this is Qari Muhammad Ashik Sahib who has recently converted to Ahmadiyyat. And whilst he was introducing me, Hazur was looking upon me in a very loving manner and at the same time, I was also looking at him whilst holding his blessed hand. For a duration of 15 years, Qari Sahib was assigned the duty of leading the Tarabi prayer in the Mubarak Mosque during the blessed months of Ramadan. And Mulana Abdul Malik Khan Sahib, Nazir Islam Irshad Markaziya, once said to him that the reason why he was always assigned the duty of leading the Tahajjud and Tarabi prayer was because Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III rahimahullah, liked his recitation of the Holy Quran. He has many students and are now living in various parts of the world. They have also sent their letters to me about him and how they benefited from his qualities and his knowledge. May Allah the Almighty elevate the rank of the deceased and enable his progeny to also instill the habit of prayer and sincerity just as he desired. The next mention is of respected Nuruddin al-Husni Sahib who was a long-standing member of the Ahmadiyya community in Syria and was currently residing in Saudi Arabia 
For many years, he was imprisoned in Saudi Arabia, owing to him being an Ahmadi. And despite his illnesses and the hardships he had to endure, he remained steadfast upon his faith and passed away while still in prison on 25th May at the age of 82. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. The deceased's father, Al-Hajj Abdul Rauf Al-Husni Sahib, did the bayat in 1938. The late respected Munir Al-Husni Sahib, former Amir of the Jamaat in Syria, was the elder brother of Nuruddin Al-Husni Sahib's father. Right from his childhood, the deceased grew up in an environment filled with Islamic morals and traditions and the love for Khilafat. The deceased was 13 or 14 years of age when his father passed away and he spent a lot of time in the company of respected Munir al-Husni Sahib and learnt a great deal about the Jamaat from him. In 1955, when Hazrat Muslim Maud visited Damascus, he stayed at the house of the deceased's uncle, Padruddin al-Husni Sahib. And during these days, the deceased also had the opportunity to recite the Holy Qur'an before Hazrat Muslim He would keep a lot of fasts, and particularly on Monday and Thursday. He had a great passion for the recitation of the Holy Qur'an. He never missed a single tahajjud prayer. And even up until his final moments in prison, he remained steadfast upon his faith and attached to the Jamaat. He had complete faith that the help of Allah the Almighty would soon arrive. He would mention this to everyone who would meet him in prison. He is survived by his wife, who is not an Ahmadi. However, she remained loyal to her husband and offered a lot of sacrifices during the duration of his imprisonment. He leaves behind three sons, Abdul Rauf al-Husni Sahib, Muhammad Maz al-Husni and Fawaz al-Husni and also a daughter, Zainab al-Husni. He also leaves behind many grandchildren and by the grace of Allah the Almighty, they are all sincere Ahmadis. The deceased son, Maaz al-Husni Sahib says that my father wanted all of us siblings to become fully satisfied and then enter the Jamaat and all praise is due to Allah that we have done the bad with complete faith. He further says that when he was in Saudi Arabia, he searched for the Jamaat and he eventually met the late Hashim Sahib who lived in the UK and was working in Saudi Arabia. And so he remained in contact with him and until his last breath remained engaged in Jamaat work. He further says, that he was very kind and open-hearted and he'd always like to help others. Then he further writes that in 2019 he was summoned and then imprisoned and after a great deal of effort and struggle we eventually learned that our father had been imprisoned for being an Ahmadi and for doing tabligh on social media. For two years we made every effort to try and get him released from prison and sought the help of many lawyers. They also passed a verdict for his release and he came out of prison as well. But just a few hours later, the police called him and told him to come to the police station and arrested him once again. This time they made him endure even greater hardships than before. He was not allowed to meet anyone and not even allowed to speak to anyone on the phone. Due to old age, his health was very frail and he would often go to hospital. But even then he was not able to meet his family members. His eldest son, Abdul Rauf al-Husni, who lives in Canada, says that he had a bond of great sincerity and loyalty with the Jamaat. He was very firm on his beliefs and he also makes particular mention about his father with regards to his worship and sincerity. He has mentioned some further details and writes that in 2016 when he was imprisoned, he was fasting at the time and even then he did not break open his fast despite knowing that he would have to endure a lot of hardship in prison. When the prison officer offered him water, he told him that he was fasting. He then sought permission so he could offer his Asr prayer and the officer granted him permission. He then offered his Asr prayer upon which the prison officer remarked that he prayed just like they did. In any case, this had such an impact on him that he released him at the time. But then later, in December 2019, the police arrested him again and he passed away whilst in prison.
May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy and elevate his rank. And may Allah the Almighty also enable his progeny to adopt his good deeds and qualities. After the Friday prayers, I shall lead their funeral prayers in absentia.